Humankind has felt the need to protect themselves and their kin since the dawn of time. Although nobody wants to resort to violence, it can be a means to an end sometimes. Peoples all over the planet have been waging war on each other since it started spinning. And sadly, I see no end in sight. Lock and load. Join me as we weigh in on the wild world of weapons on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI. Today, we are going to look at the wild world of weapons. And I'll start off with a disclaimer. I don't like weapons in general. Okay, do they have a purpose? Yeah, back in the day, people needed to hunt for their food. So like everything, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Oh, wait, there's our first idiomatic expression. I think in Spanish you say arma de doble filo. We say it's a double-edged sword. And if you noticed, I didn't pronounce the W. I don't say sword, I said sword. So for the record, I don't like weapons, I don't like violence, or anything associated with violence. I've always considered myself a bit of a barefoot hippie. Barefoot means with no shoes on, and I think you know what a hippie is. I stick to the motto, make love, not war. So today we're going to take a look at weapons, like them or not. But this is one of these episodes where I'm going to learn a lot too, because I don't know the first thing about weapons. I know some people in my country, they can name every weapon as if it were a car model. I can't do it with cars or weapons. You know I can name every plane, though. But we're not here to talk about planes today. We're here to talk about weapons. But wait a second. There's a connection. Many planes carry weapons and are made specifically to cause harm. Think of a bomber or a fighter. See, we're talking about aviation already, and I need to stay on topic. Let's start with our intro over here. I started out by saying humankind has felt the need to protect themselves and their kin. And your kin is your relatives, your family members. And I guess that's a logical thing. Who doesn't want to protect their family members? And we've been doing this, humankind, since the dawn of time. And the dawn of time is the beginning of time. Dawn is another way to say the sunrise. A lot of times you'll see in American parks, they're open from dawn till dusk or closed from dusk till dawn. I think you probably know it from a song. I've been with you from dusk till dawn. I've been with you from dusk till dawn. It's a really cool song if you haven't heard it. And it's got that alliteration that you know I love. Dusk till dawn. Also, if something dawns on you, it occurs to you. It's a very common way of saying, it dawned on me. I couldn't figure out the answer. 
and then it dawned on me. So it's a very useful word. Then I said, although nobody wants to resort to violence, and to resort to is recurrir a in Spanish. Some people believe that violence should be used as a last resort. Speaking of resorting to. See, we're always playing with words here on the show. And then I said it can be a means to an end. And I think that one's self-explanatory. And then I said something weird, and I'm sure some of your ears perked up. I said peoples all over the planet. And I know what you're thinking. What do you mean peoples? I thought it was people. Well, we have an exception in English. You can say peoples when you're talking about all different cultures. I think it would be more like gente de diferentes naciones. The same way we can use persons as a plural, but it's more used in police work. They filed a missing persons report. For all intents and purposes, say person and people. Just take note, there are a few exceptions. Then I said, we've been waging war on each other since it started spinning. And to wage war is to declare war. And I wrapped up by saying, sadly, I see no end in sight. Well, of course, it's big business, the war machine. And then I used an expression which I don't even really know what it means, but I've seen so many movies with guns. And yes, we're going to talk about violence in movies as well. But I've seen so many movies with guns that I know what people say. And I've heard it, I would say, thousands of times. Lock and load. And to load the gun is cargarlo. Again, I'm no expert here. I was just going to say I've never fired a gun in my life, but that's not true. I once did my TV show, English on the Go, and we filmed it at a police academy. And they let me shoot a gun but I have no idea what kind of gun it was. But I have to admit, it gave me a certain sense of power. But I don't think I would ever go to a shooting range and do it as a hobby. But I get how some people could get addicted to that feeling. And then I wrapped the intro by saying, join me as we weigh in on. And to weigh in on means to give our opinion on. Oh, and if I didn't mention it before... I've heard people say weapons a million times. It's not weapons, mi arma. It's weapons. All right, great. Now that we've gotten that disclaimer out of the way and we looked at all the juicy vocabulary in our intro, let's get started with a little definition. A weapon is an object that can be used to attack or injure a person or animal or destroy property. People have used weapons since very ancient times. Not ancient, ancient. While other animals use weapons, in most cases, they are attached to the animal. Things such as teeth, claws, and tusks. In our case, as humans, they are detached from us. And they must be selected for the purpose at hand. And I don't need to tell you we've been constantly developing newer and better weapons ever since we first picked up that rock. It goes on to say individual people and armed forces use weapons to defend themselves or to attack an enemy. And people also use weapons for hunting. As we said before, if you didn't want to go hungry, you needed a weapon. You needed something to go out there and kill your prey, or you weren't going to have dinner. 
This is back in the day. We were hunter-gatherers at that time. Let's rewind and take a look at a little history. The first weapons were things such as stones and wooden clubs. Every time you see a drawing of a caveman, you see him with a club in his hand. Also, police carry clubs in the modern day. And back in the day, they used to use these objects to protect themselves and to hunt for food. Some of the oldest remains that have been found were ancient weapons made of stone. Around the year 20,000 BC, they found some bow and arrows that were in use. And if you don't know what a bow and arrow is, just think of Robin Hood. They also used spears. These were some of the earliest weapons available. And you've got the good old-fashioned throw a rock at somebody's head. Well, as you can see, we've gotten a little bit more advanced since then. We don't have to get our hands dirty anymore. But let's not jump too far ahead. Later on, ancient people made weapons out of bronze and iron. And obviously, this was during the Bronze Age, when they were discovering all the possibilities of metals. And this is when they started to develop special swords, spears, and bow and arrows, as we said before. So we know some of the earliest warriors who went out to battle had spears, bow and arrows, and swords. And don't forget, they also needed to penetrate these big, thick city walls and castles. Now things are made of brick and can be easily penetrated. But back then, these were big rock walls. They were impenetrable, or so it seems, until the catapult was invented. And obviously, this was a weapon that could throw something over one of these large walls. Also, things like battering rams, which are still used today by SWAT teams when they're trying to go into a house. They will use a battering ram to knock the door down. But the early ones were very similar, but they were just large wooden beams. And those wooden beams could break down doors and walls. Then, around the Middle Ages, which was 500 to 1500 A.D., Europeans began to use more complex and deadlier weapons. By the 900s, for example, they were using powerful crossbows. And what is a crossbow? Well, a crossbow is like a bow and arrow on a gun. And you pull the trigger, this is a really important word today, trigger, I think you say gatillo, and the arrow flies through the air, hopefully hitting its target. Then in the 1300s, they developed these large guns, which we now call cannons. And these weapons were powdered by gunpowder. I think you call it polvora in Spanish. And gunpowder is an explosive mixture of chemical substances. It was invented by the Chinese. If you've listened to enough of these episodes, it seems like the Chinese invented everything and they had developed it hundreds of years before, so they were ahead of their time. But now, with the invention of exploding gunpowder, they could make their projectiles go even farther. And these weapons were much better than the older weapons. And obviously, this changed history. The Europeans had really good weapons. And what happened after that? They conquered most of the world. And it wasn't until the mid-1400s 
that the Spanish invented the first gun. Hey, China's always in there, but Spain's always got their two cents in there too. Their two cents is su granito de arena. Yeah, we've contributed a lot of stuff. Mops? Come on, what would we do without mops? The predecessor to the helicopter. And did you know? The predecessor to the modern gun. It was a gun that was called a harquebus, and it could be fired from a man's shoulder. Then in the 1500s, that was improved upon, and they came up with a larger gun and another gun that rested on the shoulder, so they got that same idea from them, and they called this gun a musket. I think in Spanish you call it mosquete. They were used by militaries all over the place. And this was also about the time we started seeing pistols or handheld guns. So it's interesting. Guns have gotten bigger and smaller, respectively, because we've got these big cannons, and now we've reduced it down to something that fits in the palm of our hand. Then it was around the 1800s when rifles came into wide use. And rifles are still in use today. What makes the rifle so interesting is that when bullets are shot from the rifle, from the barrel, they spin around as they travel. And this makes the shots fired from the rifles much more accurate. And accuracy is everything if you're talking about warfare. You want to hit your targets. Nobody likes collateral damage. And then in the mid-1880s, the first successful machine guns also began to be made. And now you could fire many bullets in a row. Every time I think of a machine gun, I think of those old-time gangsters. That was their weapon of choice. And then as we got into the world wars at the turn of the century, as we know, World War I was from 1914 to 1918, well, the armed forces developed many new deadly weapons because there was a technology boom. They could put bigger things in smaller spaces, kind of like computing today. And then, of course, after that, you had World War II which lasted from 1939 to 1945. Some of the weapons that have been developed specifically for war are tanks, poisonous gas. How many times have you heard about the Vietnam War and they talk about Agent Orange and all this chemical warfare? A weapon I've always liked, but uh, more in the video game sense, because as I said, I don't like weapons. They're flamethrowers. Call me a pyromaniac, but I think flamethrowers are cool. Then you've got missiles, rockets that could carry explosives to a target, bombs that could be strapped on an airplane. So all of these breakthroughs were due to war. And as we know, the deadliest weapon ever used was the atomic bomb. This was at the end of the Second World War. The United States dropped two atomic bombs on Japan, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So many people were killed, and people who defend the bomb say that many lives were saved by dropping that bomb. I really don't know enough about the topic to have my own opinion. But as I said, I'm always against violence. And I remember when I went to Hiroshima in Japan, it was incredible. I could still feel the energy there, the sadness, the destruction, 
the hopelessness that was still in the air. And that was definitely a turning point. We entered the nuclear age. And I don't think anybody wants nuclear war. Because what they've realized that if you want nuclear war, there's only one thing that can happen. One outcome. And that is MAD. Mutually Assured Destruction. That means everybody will be blown to smithereens. The most powerful device ever detonated by mankind is the Russian Tsar bomb. It is a behemoth. A behemoth is something that is huge. In 1961, when it was detonated, it created a mushroom cloud. It went about 65 kilometers into the sky. If you're not good at calculating math, let me give you a comparison. That's about seven times as tall as Mount Everest. Oh, and we've got an episode on Mount Everest. If you haven't given it a listen, do so. This mushroom cloud could be seen 600 miles away from the site. 600 miles is around 1,000 kilometers, folks. So you don't want to piss Russia off. Well, let's just put it this way. You don't want to piss off anybody who's got nuclear bombs. There's only one way it can end, and that's bad for everybody. And I think the war machine, the military-industrial complex, those are the ones who make money off war. I mean, they don't really want war to end. The minute the war ends, well, they're not making money. That's why a lot of times we enter in these unwinnable wars. Hey, this is just my opinion, this part. But I think a lot of these wars, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Iraq, things like that, these wars were never meant to be won. They were just meant to keep the cash machine going. It's big business. There's no denying it. But at what cost? That's a question we ask ourselves in every episode of FYI. And we have begun to glorify violence as a society. I mean, you just have to watch the news. The only thing they show is violence. People arguing. And we know why. Because violence sells. People are interested. They want to see it. It's like morbid curiosity. Why do you think movies with violence are so popular? I have to admit, I've gotten a little bit gunned out. That means I don't want any more guns. I remember seeing some movies where there was so much firing going on, so much shooting, that I was like, so who's shooting who? What's going on? Where I've gotten lost. And I understand in order to tell some stories, you need violence. You can't tell the story of the mafia and keep it all clean and family friendly. But also glorifying violence, showing people, you know, pulling out guns as if they were pieces of gum, I don't think is good for young people, especially when we're so impressionable. So I know I sound like a concerned dad here, but there is much too much violence in video games, in movies, in pop culture in general. Now, the other side of that coin, I don't expect my TV or Hollywood to take care of or to raise my daughter. So parents who say, it's the video games, they're making the kids violent. Well, you're the parent. You have to be the one who says, not in my home. So there's, you know, that's a gray area too. Okay, things are violent, but also you as a parent, you can also decide what comes into your home. We don't buy my daughter gun toys. My parents never bought me gun toys. So for us, guns were just something that was distant, something we didn't really know much about. The unknown. 
And what I think it's doing is normalizing violence. Because if you watch a movie and somebody fires off 200 rounds, well, you know, some people, even older people, we said kids are impressionable. Some older people, too, they'll start to see it as normal. And as I said earlier, I don't think violence is ever the answer. Let's take a look at a fun fact over here. Oh, and by the way, folks, if you're going to join us in the bonus part today, because remember, every week there's a bonus episode, which is reserved exclusively for my patrons. So if you want to join my curious community and get a bonus episode every week, get PDF documents with all the content, have weekly group classes with me, and even monthly private classes with me, well then consider joining my curious community on Patreon. We are having a blast learning and laughing together. So if you want to join us in the bonus episode and even join us in class, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and take a look around. And of course, let me know if you have any questions. In the bonus episode today, we're going to take a look at other kinds of weapons, tons of fun facts, and we're going to look at a lot of idiomatic expressions that have to do with weapons. All that and much more in the bonus episode. And again, that's reserved exclusively for my students on Patreon, along with all the other bonus content. And speaking of my patrons, I'd like to send a shout out to each and every one of you, especially my super duper students, Lina, Javier, Paco, Roberto, Jose Maria, and Mila. And don't forget about my interstellar students, the ones who get a monthly class with me, Carmen. Isa, Paco, David, and Edgar. Join our exciting English class on Patreon. We're expecting you. Okay, where were we? Oh, right, we were going to give you a fun fact. Just a little teaser to whet your appetite. Are you familiar with the Uzi? I think in Spanish you say Uthi. Well, then how do you know the difference between I see you, la Uthi, and Uthi? Hey, that's confusing. Well, either way, in English, it's Uzi, which is a submachine gun. We know it from movies, as I said. But did you know how it got its name? It's named after an Israeli arms expert. But this guy didn't want it to be named after him. His name? Uzi Gal. And he invented the Uzi in 1956. Well, guess what? Israel ignored his wishes. And they decided to name it after him anyway. Tough luck, buddy. Oh, and of course, since he was a state employee, he didn't make too much money off his invention either. We'll look at more fun facts in the bonus episode. We're going to wrap up the first part of today's show with a quote from The Art of War by Sun Tzu, a military strategist and advisor to a king in China. And this was around 500 B.C. The greatest victory is that which requires no battle. I love it. It's short and it's sweet. Folks, I sure hope you enjoyed this part of the show and that you'll join us in the bonus episode of today's FYI.